Hey, this is Nick DiMatteo from Music Is Not A Genre. I just wanted to take a minute to talk to you about the service I use to record and distribute my podcasts. If you haven't heard about Anchor, let me tell you from experience, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Here's why. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So please take a moment out. If you are planning to create, record, and distribute podcasts, take a look at Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, I'm Nick DiMatteo, and welcome to Music Is Not a Genre. This is the 27th episode of my Music Is Everything sub-series, and it's also audio season four, episode 36. Welcome. As always, thank you for listening and watching. Don't forget you can support this podcast at patreon.com slash music is not a genre. Also at anchor.fm slash music is not a genre where you can find all the audio episodes. My public hub is youtube.com slash Nick DiMatteo and go to nickdimatteo.com and see pretty much everything. Slash podcast is where this is, but there's a whole bunch of other things there too to explore. Uh, And that site is totally free. Let's get into this. Just as a reminder, since I only do these uh, sub-series episodes periodically, Music is Everything is where I uh, expound on a topic that is music-related and then take it to other places in the world. And I always start by reading something that I've written, which is not something I do for other podcasts by design. Uh, And this is also by design, the way I like to do this. So let me start right in this week is one that uh, some people have asked me to talk about, which is very nice. And so I'm doing that because it also matters a lot to me. And the topic is negative reviews, constructive critique, or pathetic power play. Not everything in life can be spun into a positive. There are some things that are as objectively not good as you can get. Most of us want most of life to be great. And for those things that aren't great to be life lessons or to have a silver lining. But let's face it, there's shitty shit out there and that's that. At the same time, there's almost nothing that can be deemed 100% bad. Almost everything and everyone has at least one redeemable quality. Society drives us to communicate as simply as possible, to distill our thoughts into memes or sound bites or 280 characters. There's no place for nuance. No place for the gray. So anything not 100% tends to get lost in the cacophony. What's worse is we then think the only way to be heard is to shout in kind. But every single time we try, our words get co-opted or diminished or misinterpreted. Talking at is not talking to, and people will give what they get. But despite the inundation of social media, ads, and abject simplicity, there are other ways to communicate that offer opportunities to say more, to be less reductive and more nuanced, to find more connection and common ground, to actually have a conversation. How we use those ways depends on how much we've been pressured into believing that shouting is the only way, because it's still possible to talk a lot 
and only say one big thing. This is great, or this sucks. Agree, or disagree. Saying that in 500 or 1,000 words is just as reductive as shouting it in two. And I'd argue it's worse because it fools people into believing that you're coming from a more informed, authoritative place. Fancy words can easily hide simplistic views. And this is where we need to get into negative reviews. I've threatened quite often to explain the difference between a review and a critique. So sit tight, because here it comes. A critic is a judge, which implies power, which, as we all know, can corrupt. And it does, big time. So many critics think it's their job to tear down creations and creators, thoughts and thought leaders, or whatever and whomever they're reviewing. This is, to be as simple as possible, a pathetic power play. It's someone with little to no actual power or creative force trying to take down someone whose power comes from the act of putting something into the world that never before existed and then waiting to be judged for it. It's a way to siphon that power, to steal it and wield it for destructive purposes. That's a review, quote unquote. And while some of these reviews do include other more nuanced and constructive thoughts, their overall impression is the worst kind of negative, biased, personal, condescending, vindictive, self-serving, self-aggrandizing, seeking to destroy and not enlighten, and deliberately misleading. There is a place for negativity, a place for pointing out flaws and explaining why something doesn't work or is just plain bad or false. In a culture that prizes black and white on every level, it's vital that we don't fall prey to the everything is awesome in its own way reduction. That's as false as its opposite. We need to be willing to get didactic, boring even, to live in the gray. This is what reviewers who engage in constructive critique know and promote. They create a context and a safe space for discussing the negative and the positive, for respecting the artist or thought leader, whether or not they like what they're hearing or reading. They don't proclaim. They invite conversation and connection. They prove that it's possible to be both critical and respectful. Critics who complain that negative reviews are discouraged, out of fashion, denigrated, and or ignored sound a lot like white people who claim they're being censored because they can't cancel someone or be hateful, disrespectful, and openly racist. Sure, say those things. You have a right. But if you're brave enough to speak your mind, then you damn well better be strong enough to take the heat, to hear disagreement. Some part of you knows that what you're saying is generalized, hyperbolic, or histrionic. You might even know that part or all of what you say is unfounded in actual fact. But you feel powerless. So you try to, re to regain some of that power by shouting simplicities and shooting down others. We've all done it from all sides. It's just that some of us are self-aware and humble enough to know how desperate, ridiculous, and pathetic it is. And being unable to take in differing opinions and not be right about everything is just plain cowardice. More of us need to be brave enough to be opposed, brave enough to admit when we're wrong or when we might find common ground even amidst fundamental differences of opinion, brave enough to accept that agreement is not weakness 
its strength, even in its smallest form. And it's what will actually get us heard, understood, connected, and respected, which is ultimately what we all want. Off the soapbox. Not really. I'm staying on the soapbox for a little while because, as always, I like to kind of break this down. So, as, as usual, um, I take a general idea that applies to music and apply it to other things. And in this case, it's this idea of being negative for the sake of kind of taking a higher position in the power structure, basically, is what it is. Now, you know, there are other ways and other reasons that people are negative. And let me, and let me state very clearly that when someone or an entity, a group, whatever, organization, uh, or even a work of art, does something to actively harm others, then uh, there's no place for nuance. Now that's, that is when you have to call it out as a hate crime or as an act of violence in some way, whatever it is, that's something different. But, but as I mentioned before, almost, almost 100% of any work of art in particular, but even ideas, you know, and by idea, I don't mean one idea, like um, the death penalty, which I'm opposed to. Um, you can talk about the nuances of why you are for or against it, but the idea of whether or not you're, you're for or against it is kind of a simple boom like that. You know, you can justify however you may, and we all do. I'm, I'm talking about an idea that is fleshed out, you know, an idea that let, let's even use the idea of the death penalty. So let's say someone says, I'm for the death penalty. Okay, fine. Why? And when they explain why, you know, it, I think it's important to be open to maybe finding common ground there for a couple of reasons. And one is because you can change minds by only by connecting and touching someone, you know, by affecting them in some way that is both intellectual and emotional and sometimes even hits them in their gut. So it's physical, too. And you're not going to do that if all you're doing is standing your ground and shouting what you believe and dismissing everyone who thinks otherwise. You know, doesn't mean you have to believe what they believe or agree with them. But if you hear them out, there's a real good chance that you might find something of value in there. And then you have a kind of a jumping off point to talk about it in more depth. So maybe they can see where you're coming from and then you can come to some you know, maybe minor agreement that doesn't change the fundamental disagreement, but creates connection, right? And, uh, okay, I went on a world tangent here right off the bat because this is, I'm very passionate about this idea and I realized the connection as I was writing it between negative reviews and kind of negging in general or canceling and all of that stuff. So it was something that came to mind. But let's get back really quick to uh, the music idea, because that's what this podcast is about. You know, it's about other forms of media too, but generally about music. And they all kind of uh, work here, and what I'm about to say, which is that I cannot stand critics who sit back and judge in an erudite way. Me- you know, meaning they are the voice of authority and they have deemed something worthy or unworthy. This is why I tend 
to uh, gravitate towards more popular forms, let's say, of critique, uh, and also more, uh, let, uh, I don't know, academic forms of critique. Let's, let's call it that. So reviews that are in the uh, late and lamented pu- print publication Entertainment Weekly, which just recently shuttered uh, on the print side, is still active online, tend to uh, be both positive and negative. I have read both positive and negative reviews in there, but there's never a negative review that just trashes something. And I, I have a lot of respect for any reviewer who can actively just, as a person, dislike something or not agree with it, but still find a way to explain that to where you're not talking down to either the artist or the reader or listener. You know, and on the other hand, there are certain reviewers in certain newspapers who are so well-tempered and even-handed that you may not even realize that, you know, right off the bat that ultimately they don't like what they're reviewing because they're giving it its due. They're giving it its respect. You know, let's say there are plenty of movies and this is easy for me because I don't, you know, dive as headlong into movies as I do into music. So I can be a little more, you know, dispassionate about it. There are plenty of movies that I know in whatever version of objectivity I have are not great movies. But I enjoyed them. I had fun with them. And it's not a guilty pleasure idea. I've gone over that in another podcast. I don't believe you should feel guilty about any, uh, you know, passive form of pleasure that doesn't harm others. And what it is, to me, is acknowledging the nuance, is acknowledging the gray, is acknowledging that there's such a thing as good stuff amidst something that's overall not great, or not good stuff in the the middle of something that is generally judged to be good or great. And there are no, first of all, perfect works of art or or really very few perfect ideas. Uh, or let's say there are, there are some tenets that to me really approach being perfect, but if you flesh them out into practical ideas, then the imperfections come out because we're human and that's how we live. At the same time, there is, there is very little that doesn't have some kind of redeemable value. And, and I'd like to call out publications that I've actually enjoyed before. Spin, The Onion. Uh, I don't know as much about Pitchfork, but I believe this is the case. They tend to have that proclaiming style of, I'm going to cut this down from a place of snark or really uh, superiority. And what I what I found interesting over the last you know, 20, 30 years is really embracing the counterculture you know, when it was a counterculture and that even when it, it, you know, it became mainstream, being able to acknowledge that some of that mainstream stuff was still good, you know, regardless of how popular it was or unpopular and found that it became after about 10 years or so, almost a competition to be kind of indier than thou, you know, kind of holier than thou in an indie sense you're not, you're, you know, this artist isn't indie enough. This artist isn't, you know, uh, quirky enough or whatever it might be or, or left field enough. 
which is to me as bad, as bad as someone from the other side saying, oh, all this new stuff is crap, which I can't stand that thought either. Both are very close-minded. Both are very uh, speaking from the mountaintop kind of thing. And there have been, I believe, when I did, yeah, when I did the Liz Fair podcast, I talk about, talked about this one reviewer who really trashed a Liz Fair album and came to regret it. And admitted that at the time he was very young and trying to make a mark. And I think this is a really important point, this make a mark, which I'll get to. And and said that after he kind of gave it more of a listen or kind of, you know, grew, grew more and evolved, realized that it was not a, not a great, it, that it was very judgy and very one-sided, et cetera, et cetera, you know. And came to appreciate it and understand the the nuances, even in her, you know, most poppy album. We all have a sense that we need to have some sort of controversy or outrage and shoutiness in order to make a mark. And that many critics interpret that as, well, I need to go negative. And I need to go negative in a very kind of clever, snarky way. You know, and I think cleverness is another reason why critics like to be just abjectly negative and cutting down. There's kind of a sense of, you know, uh, cutting down, um, you know, something is is a way to own it, you know, is a way to say, well, I know better, you know, and and I'm going to be controversial about this. I mean, even Kelavasane, who admits that some of his earlier reviews um, were prematurely judging certain things in a way that was very one-sided, has come to, you know, realize that there can be more nuance. And, and yet at the same time, there's a certain voice that I have found many, many, many critics take on that to me implies a certain level of defensiveness and, and proving yourself by saying, well, I can be as negative as I want to be because this is my soapbox. It's my, you know, wherever I'm publishing or doing videos for. And, and so I have a right to say this. And that's my point is this. You do have a right to say it. But just as, just as, and I don't care how good of a writer you are, what words you use, how well-formed everything is, just as it is super easy to say, well, I just liked it. I liked it. I don't know. I just liked it. It's equally easy to just trash something. You know, and thus my diorama here of two trash cans on the table. For those of you just listening, that's all I got this week is just two trash cans on the table because I think trashing something is itself trashy. And listen, in your personal life, I don't care, you know, talk to somebody and tell them how much you can't stand one artist or another, one idea or another, that's fine. One politician or leader or another, that's fine. But if you are publicly trying to proclaim something from a place of authority, let's say, you know, you're not just posting online and you know, post whatever you want online. That's fine. I've done it. And I have to talk about a post uh, series a little bit later that I'm doing now to dispel rumors. There's no rumors. I have no idea. Uh, you know, but if you are saying, I'm going to write a review, I'm going to weigh in here. 
And I think I love that phrase, weigh in, because that means you are, that what you are saying, what you, the opinion you're giving intentionally has weight. It has matter. It has mass. It means something. So if you're going to weigh in on a subject of any sort, musical or otherwise, then I think it behooves you to be able to be nuanced. Because this may sound dumb, but it's easy to take the easy road. You know, if you are coming from a place where you are saying you have an informed opinion about this, then show me, show me that you respect your position and the thing that you're reviewing. You know, now, look, headlines notwithstanding, I try to create headlines that might come off as somewhat controversial. I don't go full on uh, trashy in any of my headlines because that's not me. But I understand that you need to attention grab. That's fine. What's sad is that many people don't read beyond headlines and they take uh, an impression there that may be misguided. Okay, it's a different story. Uh, It's about the culture and how we consume things and ADD and all that, uh, the society. But if the article itself has nuance, then I'm cool with that. You know, you got to take the good where you can get it. And I think that, you know, uh, I... When I get incensed by a review, either because it's so gushingly positive that it's telling me really nothing of value uh, or, or is so biased in that way that, that you're like, well, it can't, nothing can be this good, you know, or it's just so out and out, just condescendingly trashed, trashing something. I, I get angry, you know, I, I honestly get like physically upset at the person writing this. And although sometimes I do read to the end because I like to, you know, put my money where my mouth is and actually be informed about the things I dislike too. Uh, I often can't. And then there are certain reviewers uh, whose names escape me uh, who I just don't read anymore because I know that they either always pick something that they dislike, like vehemently, as if to say, I'm the person who's going to weed out the crap, you know, uh, and, and point it out so that everyone else can avoid it, as if, as if you really do have any authority when you don't. Uh, and I don't honestly remember the other idea. But the, the point being, I, I, if I know a certain reviewer's voice, and it's going to have that, oh, let me use a clever turn of phrase to stick a knife into someone or something, you know, or, or out and out just condescendingly trash something, then I just don't read them. I just don't read them. I don't watch whatever they do. And, and that's that. And, you know, I really do believe, and I've said this before about, uh, you know, news. I think I said it last time or the time before. And that is that we need to we need to be brave enough uh, to run the risk of being boring, you know, to run the risk of being didactic. And I don't mean that in a, again, preaching from the mountaintop kind of way, but in an actively wanting someone to understand something in a, you know, to educate comes from educe to bring to bring out to draw forth. It's not to it's not to just fill up. It's not to just, here's knowledge for you. Here's knowledge for you. Just swallow it. Just swallow it. And now it's in your head and you own it. No. 
to educate is to create this connection, is to say, I'm telling you something so that it draws something forth from you. And that can be done with anything. It can be done with music and movies and books. It can be done with reviews. You know, it can be done with uh, political thoughts. And I don't care how many times we say, oh, the culture and social media and, and all of that, and it requires you to be short and sweet. And, and No, we require each other to be short and sweet. We can make that change. And there are plenty of people out there who have the attention span and desire to want to hear more and know more. And we need to stop, you know, contributing and kind of, you know, going for the lowest common denominator here and just being as simplistic as possible. I mean, if that's the first thing you say, cool. It's like a headline. If you say, I couldn't stand such and such, I hate whatever, then you start a conversation and follow up with the nuance, again, totally fine with that. It's similar to the idea of having a, a flashy headline and then having substance you know, in your review. So let me give you a great example. Actually, I don't know how great this example is, but I have to give you a little proof. It's possible, as I said, to say negative things in a way that still, you know, respects. Um, geez, you know, I could go for the, the gold here and just talk about Donald Trump, you know. There was pretty much nothing I agreed with him on, and I find him to have certain kinds of mental illnesses that are similar to other leaders, past and present, that disturbed me and continue to disturb me. So I'm just going to lay that out there. That's my bias. But let's say I was reviewing his presidency and didn't want to lie, but wanted to find a way to respect the him, let's say, or it, the presidency, as an entity, because regardless of who does the job, it's a hard job. And I could say, well, he found a way to talk to a great swath of underprivileged people, white people mostly, uh, sure, but people who are struggling in many ways in their lives and win their hearts and minds. And that takes skill. And then nuance-wise go on to say the way he won their hearts and minds was by perpetuating lies that have been perpetuated by the ruling classes for decades, if not centuries. And I can weave out details of all that, blah, 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 blah. But the point being, I'm not out and out trashing the way maybe my heart or my gut wants me to. I'm finding a way to communicate negativity and some positive elements that can be found, you know, through through that nuance and through not just simplifying and distilling everything. Because if if someone says to you, you're preaching to the choir, it's because you are not making an effort to connect. You're not. You're not. You might be making an effort to rouse the troops, uh, you know, people who already believe who some of them do need rousing because you need to be, you know, sometimes lit a fire under to activate. But most already believe what you're saying. So what's the point? You know, the tougher part is to find a way to talk to connect with people who don't agree with you. 
you know, and that's why I often talk in generalities in some ways because I find that allowing for people to interpret it in the way they want and interject creates the open, you know, door for conversation, you know, which um, brings up, I want to, I want to kind of button this right here. Uh, I don't know if I'm going back to the main topic because I don't plan this out in advance, but I want to say that as of the, you know, publication of this episode, I am posting a series of essays. That's really one long essay, but I'm doing it in short, you know, thing. If you go to my website, nickdematio.com and sign up, you can get newsletters that encapsulate everything and send it direct to your inbox. And again, all for free, but I'd love to have you on my mailing list. Please do. And I'm calling it the $50,000 manifesto and I'm creating graphics, $50,000. What does it mean to you? Where do we get it? Et cetera, et cetera. And the point of it is to illustrate certain facts about how the current system works, you know, in some ways how it's come to be that way, uh, you know, deregulation and tax rates and and various other things and and the I culture as opposed to the we culture. And to use this sum of $50,000 as an example of, well, it could mean different things to different people and how we have been conditioned to believe that we... Uh, should only get it in certain ways or have only certain options and, and, and things like that. I'm not going to tell you how it ends because that's a kind of a surprise and I want it to be a little shocking. But I, but I also you know, want to point out that I'm, I'm looking for ways to include nuance even in something as crazy as this. I mean, I call it a manifesto because I want it to come off as a little unhinged and crazy but informed. You know, and to draw you in in a way that makes you think and makes you want to hear more and makes you maybe even uh, either excited or angry or whichever or both. And and so that the the end has the impact that I hope it, it will. And that to me is another example of nuance, you know, of of not you know, going 100% negative, of not going 100% positive. Uh, it's, it's maybe only a very, you know, tangential connection to what I'm talking about here. But I think, I think I've kind of thrown out my general idea of what I want to say is this, it, to, to end all of this. We all have a right to be as negative or as positive as we want. As long as, as, long as what we're saying isn't libel, slander, hate speech, whatever, something that's against the law and, you know, uh, fundamentally wrong. We have a right to say anything we want. We still do. We still live in a society and in a country that allows us that, which is a wonderful thing. And I do believe that along with that comes the responsibility of owning what you say and being able to take criticism and, and, and hopefully that you're strong enough and you know, respect other people enough to actually want to connect and have a conversation about it. I'm always talking about that. I think that's true, you know, triply, quadruply in this case. And that ultimately, I do believe that while there may be uh, a trend in certain forms of media that tend towards the gushing praise that to me is just another form of almost paid advertisement. And I can tell you that what I consume 
has a shit ton of negativity as far as reviews and, and fortunately a shit ton of nuance too. So the idea that negative reviews aren't out there or don't get attention or are looked down on, sure, for some people, but I think on the whole, it's ridiculous. I think, I think on the whole, uh, again, be as negative as you want. Hopefully you're not doing it in some reductive, lazy, attention-grabbing way that you're doing it to try to actually elucidate and connect. Uh, but please don't say that you know, negative reviews are few and far between because, damn, they really are not, you know. I mean, I'll give hell to anybody who's just out there, you know, saying I love this because they've been paid to. But I give way more hell to people who trash something just to feel better about themselves and and gain more power. And that's my story. Uh, I haven't decided if I'm uh, throwing a... I might throw a song at the end of this. I don't know yet. Uh, I haven't thought that far ahead because this is on the spot, in the moment. Yeah, live in the moment. Uh, But thank you, as always, for hanging in there with me. Uh, I want to hear everything you have to say about this, and I hope that it generates something in you that makes you want to talk because, as always, my objectives here are music, conversation, and connection. I'll talk to you next week. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.